It's been a hard week in many ways. You might say another hard week among the many we've had over the last few months. I'm referring to the situation in Kenosha in the police shooting of an unarmed black man and the terrible aftermath of that. This is not a usual kind of sermon for me, but I have felt it's necessary for us as a people together, as a community, for um, just me to share my heart with you. And the word that I have for us today is mostly pastoral. That is, from the heart of the shepherd to the flock, from the old man to the people. My personal concern, my desires for us as a community, as a people of the kingdom of God, this is where I'm coming from today. So I may not say everything you would like me to say. I may say some things that you wish I wouldn't. I'm trusting to our relationship to address some things I don't fully understand or even have all the facts to, yet I feel are important for us as a church together, one in the Spirit. Now, you know, it's true that I haven't addressed every troubling event over the last few months. I mean, that would be hard to do, isn't it? I mean, that would be pretty much all I would do. It's been a hard season. And it can be hard as a preacher to know what to include as you listen to the text of Scripture and also to the life of the Spirit that's in our midst. Sometimes we preachers get it right. Often we don't. We hope our averages are better than baseball players. But the sermon is never the last word. It's usually not even the best word. It's just a word given in a moment from a broken vessel. It's a tremendous act of faith and even chutzpah to stand in this place, say some things, and believe that God will speak. And time after time, God does. That enables us to come back and try again. But today I want to include these terrible events of the last week in our reflections. Why Kenosha? Why now? Why not talk about all the other things that have, we've had to deal with and see in the news and that are aware of? You know, I don't really f know the, f the full answer to that, but I have a little sense of it, and I think part of it is Kenosha is such a close neighbor to us. We go there, we pass through it, we know people there well. Fifteen years ago, like most of you in here won't know this, some of you will, but 15 years ago we sent some folks from Redeemer to help plant a new church in Kenosha, the Light of Christ Anglican Church. That church is there today, faithfully doing its work in ministry. I had an uncle that pastored in Kenosha at one time. So there's all of that. And then the real thing for me this week is this family, the family of Jacob Blake, the young man who was shot, and I realized he is heir, this young man is heir to a godly legacy. I'm not saying he's carried it on well. I can't speak to that. He certainly struggled. But his grandfather was a prominent pastor in Evanston. He has uncles and other family members who are in leadership in the church. And then, <laughs> amazingly, there is his mother, Julia Jackson. I don't know if you saw anything that she said or read anything she said, but she is really the one who got my attention this week and got into my heart. When all hell was breaking loose in that city and her son lay paralyzed in the hospital, 
She called for prayers. So much anger all around, and I'm not saying the anger was not justified. It was. And there was blind rage and hurt, and then there was this terrible anarchy and vigilantism that, that followed. And she stood in front of the microphones to this national, global audience, and she said, we really just need prayers. As I was riding through here, the city, I noticed a lot of damage. It doesn't reflect my son or my family. If Jacob knew what was going on as far as that goes, the violence and the destruction, he'd be very unpleased. She added, we need healing. I was stunned by that because I knew I was seeing a person who was in deep pain and suffering. The last family in a long line of families devastated by injustice just this year, yet she was calling out for life instead of death. And I also knew that if I were in her shoes, I'm not sure my response would have been so full of grace and hope. And that's really what's required, isn't it, for us to grow in Christ-likeness as it relates to racial injustice or any kind of situation that's not right, and that's to see ourselves in the place of others, to have a godly understanding of what that must be like to be in that place. Julia Jackson says she was praying for her son's healing and also praying for his spiritual healing. I mean, she knew he wasn't in a good place. What parent here doesn't understand that prayer? To pray for our children who may not be in a good place. We know that. But we also want the best things for them. She also said she was praying for the healing of our country. She said this, she said, God has placed each and every one of us in this country because he wanted us to be here. Clearly you can see by now, she said, that I have beautiful brown skin. But take a look at your hand and whatever shade it is, it's beautiful as well. How dare we hate what we are, we are humans. So I couldn't help but think of Julia Jackson as I read this passage from Romans. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be patient in affliction. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, her witness in the face of evil this week is something that I, I hope we can see and hear and take to heart. I don't think most people would blame her if her response was something else. But instead, we're seeing something very godly. And it just underscores and magnifies the evil that it opposes. Paul also says in this passage, he says, Mourn with those who mourn. Have we really done that? I'm not sure I have to the degree that's really needed. Have I listened well enough? without giving some kind of answer or response? Have I just listened well enough, intently enough, to have my understanding increased so my heart can be transformed? You know, we're so polarized right now in our country that these current struggles have taken on you know, deep political tones. And I think, for some of us, we're afraid that we might end up on the same side of something with those that we disagree with heartily on other issues. I'm going to say that again. I think something that keeps us paralyzed is that we're, if, we, if, if we move a certain direction, we might find ourselves with people that we don't agree with on other things. 
that can keep us silent and it can keep us on sidelines, right? The church is not on the right or the left. The church is not in the middle. The church is not Republican. The church is not a democratic church. Who are we? We're those that Jesus sends into the world, sheep among wolves, shrewd as serpents, harmless as doves. We follow where Jesus leads, and we do the work that he's given us to do, and we shouldn't worry that it might look to others like we're actually loving our enemies. It reminds me of an episode that happened in Colorado when I was there uh, as part of a, a church that was planted by the, uh, the person who's now our bishop, Ken Ross. Uh, you probably know Colorado Springs is a military town. A lot of, I mean, there's bases and all kinds of things there. And if you remember, there was this church that would go around and uh, protest at funerals of military people because of the military's position on human sexuality that they saw as really, um, well, anyway, you know, I think you know the story. I think Phelps is the last name of the pastor there. And they're from Kansas, and they would go and shout terrible things at the people who were coming to grieve at military funerals. And one of those things happened, and some people from our church went. And it was a cold day, and I think even Bishop Ken, Pastor Ken at the time, I think he was part of that group. And what they did was they went and they served coffee and donuts to the people that were being yelled at. Now, did we believe the same way they believed? <laughs> no. But we knew it wasn't right for them to face the kind of uh, slander and, and in the name of God. In other words, those people, I wasn't a part of that that day, I wasn't around, but they, they, they took some risk. And I'm, I'm saying not everybody was pleased with that. Right? So why am I sharing this today? Because I have a deep desire that as a church, we will be one people with one heart. A heart that beats with the heart of God. That we will care about those who are unjustly treated and the vulnerable. That we will honor all of life from the unborn right on through to its natural end. And see, racial injustice denies life. It denies that we are made in the image of God. It grieves God. And if we can hear our brothers and sisters in Christ especially, people like Julia Jackson, and know their struggle, then I think we can open our heart more to their experience. That, in turn, can empower our prayers and our actions. This has been, at least for me, and I think it is for those leading, this has been the goal of our conversations that we've been having on race. Not just head knowledge, not just academic study, but real transformation of the heart. We would hear those who are struggling. We would hear from those who are suffering. The church at large, <clears throat> and I guess just to be direct, I mean here the white evangelical church, and Redeemer in particular, has an opportunity right now in the midst of all that has kind of been brought to the fore. We have an opportunity and necessity to learn what it means to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. It means being open to transformation and to healing. You know, in each generation, the church has to face what is evil. 
And I think that changes. Although this particular evil has been with us a long, long time. But in our own time, when this is so much with us and in the news and around us, we, it's a great opportunity for us. It's a great opportunity for us. When God appears to Moses and tells him to go back to Egypt, what, is, what does Moses say? Sure. No. <laughs> he says, you got the wrong man. You got the wrong man. You need to find someone else. Why does he say that? Well, a number of reasons probably, but you know, he's insecure in his position for one thing. And he's a murderer. And he knows it. You see, one time he had power and authority. He was at the pinnacle. But as a murderer, he had to flee. He hit rock bottom. And now he's hiding away on the backside of the desert, minding sheep and goats. It's a lowly task. It's not kind of a pastoral scene. I mean, he's been, he's been flung down and stomped. Moses also was a cultural nomad, wasn't he? He wasn't fully enough Hebrew for the Hebrews, and he wasn't fully enough Egyptian for the Egyptians. So he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Perhaps he really meant, who am I? Who am I? He was a broken man with a wound in the middle of his life that would not heal. And where does God want to send him? Back into the place where he failed. <laughs> it's there that Moses will be healed. And also his people. I think the church today is being called to enter places of healing, which will also mean facing the places where we have failed. Listening. Praying. Seeking direction and mercy from God. Hearing from people, hearing from our brothers and sisters that have long suffered, that have longed to tell us of their situation if we would only have listened to them. And see, I think our obedience in, in walking in that place with God can mean reconciliation and deliverance and healing for others and ourselves. And we need that. We need that. At one time this week, and I read this uh, <clears throat> account, when Julia Jackson was with her son in the hospital, and of course he's still there, he's paralyzed. Uh, Jacob looked up and he saw that a policeman was guarding him. And he asked him, he said, uh, Sir, are you a man of faith? And the policeman said, I am. He said, will you pray with us? And the three of them join in prayer. You see, that's not all of the answer, of course. But it's a start. It's a good and true start. It's about crossing boundaries. It's about clinging to the good. It's about searching for the Lord and His strength, as the psalm said today. So I want us to call us to this as a church. Deep prayer over this. Repentance and care. Just to care, right? 
to hear from people that we've just maybe shut out. Some of us have shut them out. We're in a difficult time. Pandemic, social unrest, the elections. Man, great to be a preacher right now, right? <laughs> uh. But let us pray. Let us exercise real care for others. Let's be careful what we say. Let's guard our social media activity, please. That means be careful what we read, what the source is of what we read, and be careful of what we post. Is it true? Is it fair? Does it, does it invite conversation? Could it lead to transformation and healing? These are the kind of things that maybe to have a little judgment before we press to send that. And mostly let us hate what is evil and cling to what is good. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.